Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. Matei Sis is absent today. But Evan G. Watkins and Doug Bowman, both with us here today, guys. How you doing? Better than Matei. He sounded pretty pretty sick, sick pretty ill. Yeah, not fun times for Matei. A little bit of the... Uh, a little bit of the uh, the plague going around, but Doug, you seem safe. How are you? <laughs> I am indeed safe. Uh, I, I week two is always interesting to me. Um, not to dive right in, but I'm going to do it. Uh, just, it's like the last glimmer of possible off season hope. Whether you played, whether you won and played not great, or lost and played not great, or lost and played terrible, like the proverbial week one to week two improvement that everybody likes to rely on kind of disappears after this week. So this is kind of the last, last hurrah for offseason optimism. All right. Well, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, week one to week two and perhaps a little bit of optimism, I think the question that a lot of fans and analysts and otherwise around Virginia Tech are asking right now is how optimistic is it fair to realistically be given what we saw in the Hokies opening game win against Old Dominion. Now, for those of you that watched, which I assume is pretty much all of you, you know the deal, you know what went down. Virginia Tech, a little bit of a slow start in the first half. They pull away in the second half for a 36-17 to victory over the Monarchs of Old Dominion. Uh, Grant Wells, 17 for 29 on the day with three touchdowns, two of those going to Ali Jennings, who in his Hokie debut against his old team, five receptions, 72 yards, and like I just mentioned, two scores accounted for. Doug, the Hokies covered. But did you leave that game feeling like you know, I guess the, the best way to put it would be where were they in week one versus where you anticipated them being? Are you more optimistic going into week two? Are you less optimistic going into week two? Are we about the same? And why? Uh, I think I'm about the same. Um thought the offense was largely what we expected, particularly the wide receivers. Um, clear and obvious upgrade there and what they bring to the table. Uh, I was surprised by the lack of a run game against ODU's front. I think that's going to be, you know, the pass protection was quite literally, according to PF, the best pass protection in the country. Um, as far as how much Wells was pressured, but the run blocking was just um, just atrocious, and it's going to be a that's going to become a problem pretty quickly if they don't if Tech is a um, a team that is reliant on solely solely reliant on throwing the football with Grant Wells. Wells had a, a kind of a rocky start that was pretty much a spitting image of last year. And then I thought he played much, much better um, as that game went on. But like if, if defenses can tee up against the, against the pass, that's going to be, it's going to be a problem against better opponents. So on that side of the ball, I mean, I think that's a mixed bag defensively. I think it's a mixed bag too. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, secondary was strong, um, but they weren't 
you know, they weren't really tested. Um, the run defense, major concern now, I think, certainly. Um, so kind of a mixed bag, and that's kind of what I expected this season. You know, we're all picking six and six, five and seven in that range. Like, you're going to get a mixed bag. There's there's plenty to work on. It was good to see, like I said, the receivers make some plays. And, um, you know, Bashel Tootin had absolutely zero running lane, but still managed to miss 10 forced tackles. And I think that was the metric from PFF that he kind of zeroed in on last year. Looks like it translates um, if he can get any kind of running lane, but we'll see if that happens. So, yeah, I mean, I, I no, nothing, nothing really changed with my opinion from that game. Evan, you were there in person. We were able to uh, to spend a little bit of time together before the game. And I know that we both kind of came in with mixed feelings, though we did think this offense was going to be better. What'd you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, you know, I think when you look at what we all predicted going into it and you even go outside of that and look at what the fans on the message boards or social media were saying going into the game was you expect Virginia tech to, to win. And if they cover great, you know, it probably is going to be a, you know, 14, 17 point game. Um, I thought it, it obviously could have been more than that. Um, the, the, the two, fourth down conversions that failed to convert in the red zone, obviously taking a knee after the Tucker Holloway um, punt return. They left a lot of points on the field, but at the end of the day, the the game kind of went, uh, it, it started off slow and you could see it progressively building um, throughout the afternoon. So, or throughout the evening. So, you know, I liked what I saw out of Grant Wells, um, not taking a sack obviously was big. I thought, Virginia Tech would struggle more in the pass game and do better in the run game. Um, I, I've always thought I've never played offensive line. I'm the furthest from an offensive lineman as there possibly could be, but I've always <laughs> thought I've always thought run blocking was much easier, right? You're just road grading um, as opposed to being a little bit more reactive. You're being proactive instead of being a little bit reactive with pass block or pass set. So you know, I thought that run blocking would come a little bit easier and they'd be able to take advantage of uh, ODU's, uh, you know, defensive line, but that didn't happen. So that's a little bit worrisome. I'd like to see uh, Virginia Tech get outside the tackles a little bit more in the run game, um, find a way to get Malachi and Tootin involved, uh, you know, get them on some swing passes, maybe run a little bit of a little bit of an option look, some tosses, things like that, that can get them um, outside and and see if they can find some space to the edges. I think that they will have uh, success if they can do that. Um, Part of me does wonder when you're playing against Old Dominion and the, 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 the game never felt, in my opinion, uh, it never felt super obvious that that old dominion was going to have a chance to to push to win it felt like to me that virginia tech while it started slow was a team that was going to be pretty much in control uh throughout the evening maybe they went a little vanilla on the on the run game maybe they decided we're going to try smash mouth because it's big 10 type of football and that's what brent prize used to but that inside zone which is what ron crook wants to run just just did not did not work. 
Um, and they, they kept trying it over and over and over. Maybe that was to get it on film and they'll do something completely different this week. Um, but they have to find a way to get the run game going or if teams can, like Doug said, if teams can, can tee up on Grant Wells and get in his head, bad things can happen. He, he needs things to go right. And for things to go right, he has to have a run game. So I'm exactly where I was going into the game. I mean, we knew we all predicted a Virginia tech win. We all predicted it um, about around the right score of what it was. So nothing's really changed for me. I want to see how they implement a run game. Um, and, and every time, Virginia Tech plays ODU. I get a feeling that ODU at some point abandoned ship of their plan and plays like a backyard football type of game. You saw it a few years ago when uh, Blake LaRusso, I think it was, ended up throwing for like 500 yards and it was all fade balls and jump balls, just taking advantage of what they could. You saw it this, uh, this past game with Grant Wilson opening up some running lanes and just kind of running, running ragged. And then, you know, doing these little swing passes to uh, to Wicks who could, you know, get get into space and try to make things happen. It kind of felt like there wasn't as much of a offensive identity for them as the game went on. They were just trying to stay in it. They were trying to figure out whatever they could do to stay in the game. So it's going to be interesting to see this weekend. Obviously, Hudson Card's a better quarterback, um, you know, at Purdue than, um, than Wilson is at, at Old Dominion. And you know, if, if he can test the Virginia Tech secondary, we could see a completely different type of game. So, you know, I'm not surprised by what happened. I'm, I'm hoping to see a, a lot of improvement, though, from week one to week two. Now, we talk about the offensive line. We talk about the running game. I think, like you guys mentioned, pass protection. Uh, obviously, you know, not a negative sign. Grant Wells had ample time, didn't face a ton of pressure. And I think that his lack of in interception, which has been something that you have not been able to say about him very often game to game, at least through his first season at Virginia Tech, uh, goes to show that the way that they were able to move the ball downfield offensively goes to show that. But Doug, is there like, you know, in the first half, right? When, when Grant Wells is throwing the ball over the head of some of these receivers and the timing's a little bit off, you know, you can chalk that up to first game jitters, new team, trying to get it all together. But when it comes to run blocking, it's like, are these guys going to get bigger, faster, stronger from week one to week two? The answer to that is obviously no. Is there any chance this run game improves? Because it wasn't just, you know, the offensive line. It was you get a guy in space and then the receivers on the outside aren't holding their blocks. And, you know, that one or two broken tackles that you make in the backfield end up somewhat being in vain. Any chance the run game improves here or or do you not have much faith in that? Uh, No, I think it could definitely improve. I mean, you're looking at left side of uh, Virginia Tech's offensive line still now has, has two combined starts under their belt. And I think that's a, that's a side chaplain and Braylon Moore that can, get better as they get more experience. Um, I think right guard Bob Schick was in there for most of the game. Brody Meadows played a little bit, but that's kind of the same deal. Like first big time experience, first significant snaps. Um, I think they could improve as the season wears on. And then, I mean, Caden Moore, uh, Price said after, I guess it was earlier this week, he said his, his snapping issues with the low snaps were, I mean, he was, he was cramping. Um, I don't know that, 
I'm sure it's difficult to run block with with cramps in your legs. So, um, yeah, I think I think the run game can improve um, just from like sheer experience and um, week by week improvement. Ron Crook, the guy I remember is first year offensive line coach and came in in spring practice. You know, I think they think they can keep building there as a unit. Um, so I'm. Yes, they they absolutely can improve, but there's also a real chance that they aren't a good run blocking team, and it, it just won't be this year. Um, that's one of the things that certainly on the list of big questions, um, probably for the next, at least through the end of September, probably before you before you officially call it one way. But we're definitely going to find out more this week and and next week. Um, just kind of how far this team is from being able to run the football effectively. Uh, like I said, Tootin, like uh, it, it translates. If, if he can get free, if he can get any kind of running lane, he'll produce, it looks like. Um, so it'll just be on. I mean, it's on Crook and, the, and those offensive line to come along. It's on Tyler Bowen to scheme, scheme together an offense that can run the ball. Um, you know, I thought, I thought last year they 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 admitted it. They were too vanilla, and it took them too long to kind of adjust from what they were hoping to be able to do. Um, so I'm 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 curious if they are if they got a quick quicker trigger kind of on like, all right, this is what we thought we were going to be good at is not actually the case, and we need to kind of turn our attention to something else. So, um, yeah, I think that's a big thing to watch because, like. Tech's run defense struggled and combination of not being able to run the ball on offense while not being able to run the ball on defense is just not a, I mean, not, not being able to stop the run on defense is just not a good combination. And, um, you know, your defense ends up being on the field for too long. Your offense is a bunch of three and outs and quick, quick possessions. I mean, it's just not the kind of complimentary football that, that Pry always talks about and that you want to play. So, um, I think, those are the biggest things to watch um, this week and over the next couple weeks, really. Evan, the run defense was concerning, right? And you know, you're going to face more talented running backs going forward. You're going to face more talented offensive lines moving forward. Do you believe that this is a problem or is this some new players, first game jitters, scheme, from the old Dominion team that was a little bit of a surprise given their new offensive coordinator. Like, do we assume that Virginia Tech is going to be gashed down the middle all season long, or do we expect there's better yet to come at least? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's kind of a combination of all of those because you look at, you know, if you started the defensive line, I think, I think the defensive tackles, I think they performed – at a pretty high level. Um, even the rotation rotational guys, I think performed at a high level. What I, what I was noticing up in the press box watching it was, uh, especially Burgos and Powell. And maybe this is just a, they were trying to be too aggressive. They overran their play a lot. Um, and when you do that, you open up running, running lanes, um, especially for, you know, a delayed QB draw or a QB scramble, uh, or anything like that. So, you know, they were they were over pursuing a little bit, which I think you can chalk that up to uh, first big game, first big, big game experience. 
um, in Lane Stadium, and and I think I think some of that could be chalked up to jitters. Uh, the linebacker play to me was surprising, and, and it was not surprising in a good way. Um, I think Will Johnson seemed to look like he was playing better than most, which was interesting, especially because we haven't really heard much about him because of his injuries uh, in the past. He spent a couple years on the sidelines uh, nursing some shoulder injuries, but he seemed to play pretty well. Um, guys like you know Kelly Lawson looked great on passing downs was looking lost on run plays. Um, it looked like they weren't filling their gaps right. It looked like they just were misdiagnosing a lot of plays, which I think is is interesting slash a little alarming because Virginia Tech has granted I don't I don't pay attention as much to other schools as I do to Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech has a handful of quote unquote linebacker coaches. Obviously, Pry has deep history there. Marv has history there. You have a DB. You have Sean Quinn. Um, you, you, there's there's just a bunch of guys. Jan Johnson. There's a bunch of guys in Merriman that have the experience. They should be able to get the, the linebackers at the least playing in the right gaps, right? Being in the right position and a chance to make a play. If you're in the position to make a play and you get out-athleted or you don't make the play, that's one thing. Not even being in the right gap, not diagnosing the play right, being completely you know irrelevant and out of the play is something else. So you know when you have guys running free to you know the, to the to the safety and, and then the safety is getting shook out of his socks, um, you know that's that's the recipe for disaster. So you know I think when you look at it holistically. The, the defensive ends and the linebacker unit to me were the, the really the surprising downfall of the run game. But I think a lot of that is correctable. So I don't think all hope is lost. I think that you can uh, correct a lot of that. Some of it is nerve. Some of it is jitters. Some of it is old dominion playing that backyard football that, that I mentioned earlier that I feel like they, they always go to at some point against Virginia tech. So you know, there were some times in there, though, that I was I was really interested. I was actually texting uh, texting Doug about it um, is there were times when when Virginia Tech went to a three man front, which, OK, I get it. You're you're going to switch some things up. I understand. But you go to a three man front and it looked like it was if I remember it was Pollard down and then they had Powell and Burgo standing up. It was basically like a one down formation at one point. It was it was strange to see, and you could tell they were going to be opening up a lot of lanes, and the linebackers were just very confused about what was happening. So I think Virginia Tech needs to focus on their base, focus on getting their linebackers in the right positions, don't over-pursue the play, and I think good things can happen. So I'm not pushing the alarm button yet, but if this goes about three or four more weeks and we're seeing people in the wrong gaps consistently – then I think you push the alarm button and realize that teams are going to run uh, all day and all night on Virginia Tech. Defensive backs looks very good, though, when throwing at Virginia Tech's cornerbacks. Old Dominion was essentially ineffective, right? I think Chris Coleman from Tech Sideline pointed it out, so I'll give him credit on it. Ultimately, if you count the interception yards, when targeting Dorian Strong or Mansoor Delane, Virginia Tech actually got more positive yardage than did Old Dominion. A great performance. You probably can't ask for much more 
Are we chalking this up to horrible passing attack from Old Dominion, a team that, as we mentioned going into the game, not expected to be very good. Some would say expected to be very bad. Or is this kind of a situation where, hey, they did great. You couldn't have asked them to do much better. A little bit of both. I, I mean, I don't think ODU's receiving receivers particularly tested this group um, or are very good in that sense. Um, you know, I, I think I wrote before the game, their, their, to- their tallest receiver was 6'1", and their biggest receiver weight-wise was 180. You know, they're a bunch of basically a bunch of slot guys that they have. Um, so I think Virginia Tech was really able to to kind of dominate them on the outside as they absolutely should have. So that's just taking care of business and what you want to see. So kudos to Monsor Delane. I mean, Doran Strong kind of got maybe underrated a little bit just because of his injury last year. But I mean, he was excellent in 2020 and 2021 and he just hurt his arm last year. So um I don't think we should be surprised that he's still a good football player. Um, and I think, and I think it's really the strength of the uh, strength of the defense. There is that secondary and what, what they could do even against better competition. Um, I don't think it's a surprise. I thought it was really good. You know, Stroman gets ejected. Uh, Jalen Jones, I think went down with an injury. You know, they had to, they had to contingency some things like Monsoor Delane played some safety. Um, Braylon, Braylon Johnson got a, got a good amount of time. Dante Lovett played. Moses Phillips played a ton. Um, Caleb Woodson got in there at the star position. So I thought it was, thought it was probably necessary to get those guys feet wet this game, considering there's not really many other games on the schedule where you could do that. And, and, and even when they were in the game, you know, things didn't, nobody got burned deep or, um, you know, blew a coverage or anything like that. So I think you got to be really pleased with where the secondary was and what happened, especially considering just like you, know, you lose Jalen Stroman early in the game. Jalen Jones comes in, um, plays well until I think he went down with an injury, and then, you know, you're kind of shifting things. So it felt like Virginia Tech kind of worked through every possible scenario of who's playing and where are they playing within this game, which I think will be beneficial for the rest of the season. I think they just do a targeting call on Doug just for mentioning the defensive backs. That's fair. (laughs) Send it to review. Okay, actually, here's a question. Are targeting calls going to be this frequent throughout the season, or do you think they, in the referee offseason meeting, had a special – emphasis on targeting and they came out and that's what they thought they should do. And they're going to yeah. okay, tone that down a little bit. This it yeah, kind of feels like that. that we have to try to stay true to. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. I mean, it maybe it's just a thing they do every year where, you know, September, they really try and really focus heavily on it to like send the message that they're going to call it. But like, we can't be doing that. Um, I, I get the point of the, rule and the severity of it and all that stuff but like so there was a some excessive calls that felt like there and if that's how they're going to call it through the season it's going to be like <laughs> so much for changing the clock rules to speed up the games if they're going to keep calling it like that they need to have, i'm waiting for DraftKings or FanDuel to add it to uh the betting lines the 
over and under of targeting called in the game. <laughs> over under targeting and like, will somebody be ejected in the first half? Yeah, you'd think they'd start putting odds on this stuff if they're going to call. I mean, they at one point in the ODU game, I think they called two or three within like two minutes of each other. It was it, and the inconsistencies, right? Like that's my biggest issue with the targeting is I, I get player safety and and all of that. I don't have a problem with that, but I think we all saw in the ODU game like two plays that were eerily similar with uh, the ODU linebacker Henderson and then. Jalen uh, Stroman, they were very similar, and one is no targeting, and one's an ejection. And it just doesn't make any sense, right? There's no, there's no consistency. The 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 throw, the flag on um, on Woodson, like that was that you should that shouldn't even been you shouldn't even even initiated a targeting review on that. That that's that's terrible. Like that ref wants was, that one back. <laughs> it was it was. Uh, it, it's become a joke, right? Like this whole targeting, I get the player safety aspect of it. Um, I wish we could go back to the Cam Chancellor type of football, you know, as <laughs> Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor wouldn't even play a, a full game in college football <laughs> in 2023, um, which is, which is sad. But, you know, I think uh, I, I understand the rule, but God, it's inconsistent. It's, it's terrible. I wish they had some, discretion with it i mean i get the severity of it and the like the need for a severe penalty to to eventually to to over the long term get these get those hits this dangerous hits as out of the game as we can but like the, the really like tough ones are the you know the uh the plays where like the the, the offensive player ducks right as the defensive player gets there but the offensive player lowers his head essentially into where the defense, the defender's head was going. And it's like, there's nothing that kid could have done to, at that point to, to change his tackling form. Like I wish there was just discretion where like that's a 15 yard penalty without any ejection versus, you know, the, the head hunter jacked up type hits are all right. We're going to kick you out of the game for that. If, if the offensive player lowers their helmet into the launch point or launch trajectory of the defender, it shouldn't be a penalty at all, right? Like that that's just a, a an offensive guy trying to make a play and a defensive guy already in the motion of making a tackle. And there's nothing you can do. If you tried to change if – you, if you're trying to tackle somebody and then the offensive guy lowers their head and you try to react to that and, and contort your body or, or do something to not get targeting, you're putting yourself at, at a higher risk of injury, in my opinion. So it, I don't get it. The, the, the inconsistency of it is, is terrible. Um, if you're going to have targeting, the targeting rule, just be consistent with it. I, I don't, you know, I understand why they have the rule don't necessarily agree that they should have it. I understand why they do. Um, but it's just too inconsistent to be called on a regular basis. I kind of wish for those, they wouldn't be able to watch it in slow motion. You know, like you slow it down so much. You can, yeah, you see the helmet to helmet. Like you can tell it's coming. And no, even if the offense players duck it into it, but I, like, it's an impossible situation to be in as a defensive player when it's happening as quickly as it does on the field and i feel like the slow motion replay like kind of 
blinds you to that fact of like this is happening in like split second time frame on the on the field during the actual play. Um, I just wish there was like you, know, you could you could be like ah, there's nothing you could do about that. All right, move on. Imagine if they slowed down and did instant replay on every passing play and could could assert holding calls, right? Like there's the the, the slow mo, like you said, is is it makes it look even worse. It might be a bang bang play, and it might be nobody gets injured, no whatever. But they can review it and throw a flag. I, it's just it's too inconsistent. Yeah, Let and, the game be played. Yeah, and and slow motion just makes it look like well, maybe he could have got it out of the way. Where if yeah. you look at it at full speed, or even like put cameras literally on the sideline, as 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 opposed to you know the the broadcast cameras where you're watching that actually happening. You're like, no, there's there's literally nothing that defender could have done. Yeah. It's what we call a bang bang play or simply the game of football. Uh, Evan, I know you got to drop here in a second. So give us your overall thoughts, right? Virginia tech, they go in, they take care of business. No old dominion loss this year. Kind of like I asked Doug before, are you feeling more positive, more negative buy sell? Are you holding for more information? Uh, and any other particular surprises you'd like to point out, either positive or negative, whether it be on the individual player level or whether it be on the you know schematic level, things that happen with coaching. You're going to lay it all out for us. Yeah, you know, the I, I'm I'm still exactly where I was. Um, we, and like I said earlier, we we expected this to be what it was. What I think is, is funny and I've noticed a little bit of a trend is going into the game, people would say, you know, if Virginia Tech can win and cover, if they win by 17, that's a good win. And then after the win, there's people that are out there saying it wasn't a good win and Wells didn't do enough and the run game sucks. And, like, I, I get it all in a vacuum. You can say all of that. But when you look at the over, overview of everything, this is what people expected to happen going into it. It happened. Can't really be too upset about it that that was the expectation. So, uh, you know, when you when you break it all down, I think Virginia Tech, I think there were things that you can take away from this game that were positive. Um, no interceptions thrown by Grant Wells was was a positive. No sacks. I was I was surprised there, especially on that left side, being as young as they are to uh, to be able to um, keep Grant Wells upright, um, which I think really helped him not throw any interceptions. He was basically had all day back there to do whatever he wanted. Um you know, uh, one player I think that gets overlooked a little bit, I put it in our MVP uh, article today. I think Benji Gosnell played a fantastic football game. Um, if uh, if Paul is listening, Paul will be, be the shout-out to Benji Gosnell um, because he asked me about him every time I was on ESPN Blacksburg during his recruitment. Um, but I think ben, I think Benji played well replacing Gallo. I, I think I think people underestimated a little bit of what a veteran presence Gallo brought to the tight end unit um, and without him you're looking at essentially a Bucky Hodges quote-unquote tight end in Daquan Wright I don't know that he'll ever be a true tight end then you have Benji and Harrison uh, and then you have um, Zeke behind them so you have no no veteran presence your oldest guy is a sophomore so um, you know, I think he I think Benji played really well coming off back to back knees and mentally being able to play at a high level, pulled off the backflip at the end of the game. 
Um, you know, I think he, uh, I think he was not surprising that he played well, but I think it was really good to see. And a lot of pro- people probably didn't notice it. Um, that he had a really good game. I thought that he held up well in the blocking, uh, in blocking, and was also a viable pass catching uh, threat as well. So, you know, also the the uh, one other thing I'll bring up while Tootin, you know, he broke ten tackles. He runs hard. I, I get all that. The dude picked up two guys on a single blitz. Uh, he 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 blocked two guys in one play. He was really really solid in picking up blitzers during the game. So it was Malachi Thomas as well. So. I think Virginia Tech has improved there. They have to get the run game figured out, but those two guys did well uh, picking up the blitz and protecting Grant uh, Grant Wells. That was the blitz pickup on the third and ten to uh, to Lane down the yeah. sideline. So that was huge. I mean, that, that yeah. linebacker was coming in coming in hot until Tootin stepped in front of him. Yeah, yeah, he got two at one time. That was a two for one special. All right, Evan. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, man. Go uh, hang out with the kids. Yeah, soccer practice. Hee-hee. Fun, <laughs> fun, fun. Yep. All right, Douglas. Well, let's move on to the game ahead. Purdue Boilermakers coming to town to avenge their 2016, I believe it was, loss to the Hokies back. 2015. 2015. Really? Oh wow, that team wasn't even that good. And this, that this game, that game against Purdue, what was it, fifty-five to twenty-four, something like fifty-one, twenty-four, something like that? Is like not even in the memory bank. Such yeah. a weird game. <laughs> long, long time ago. But hey, the Hokies took care of business in that one. Uh, this Brendan one, Motley, Brendan Motley, who received Christian one ACC legend. player of the, I think he received one ACC player of the year vote that that year. Really delivered um against Purdue yeah well then he did either way probably just to get ahead of things not necessarily expecting Virginia Tech to uh win by that margin but at least Vegas thinks they have a little bit more of a shot than they otherwise would I saw the spread at Virginia Tech minus three which essentially means they're calling it a toss-up giving Virginia Tech a little bit of home field advantage. Tell us about this Purdue team, though. New coach, new quarterback, a lot of new key players at skill positions. You know, this isn't your uh, well-oiled machine Purdue, if you will. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of questions after that first game. They lost 39-35 to to – or, yes, 39-35 to Fresno State in – I think that went to overtime, right? Um, maybe that was just straight up. Watched too much last week. Um, but yeah, so the, like the offense is, they didn't lose that game because of the offense. Hudson Card, quarterback transfer from Texas. Uh, all the physical tools that you could want. He is a, a tech. Tech did not defend the quarterback run well last week. And, and Card is in that annoyingly effective range as far as like, being able to pick up free yardage on the ground. If it's open, he's going to take it and um, has a little bit of athleticism with them. Uh, they have a productive running back. They're a little bit like Virginia Tech in that the run blocking last week was not good. Devin Mockaby was a former walk-on, almost rushed for 1,000 yards last year. Um, so they weren't really thrilled with their run blocking, just like Virginia Tech. Um, 
his backup Tyrone Tracy is is a, a little more dynamic. Um, he played a lot of wide receiver earlier in his career, and then I think Deion Burks, is, you know, he might be the most explosive player on the field on Saturday. So, you know, they got some weapons offensively and should be able to put up some points because of that. Um, the, the questions all on defense, like they have a they have a really strong, big physical experienced front play a little funky like three four ish defense with the five band front it's gonna be an issue for virginia tech's offensive line um i think uh they you know tech's tech's offensive line protected extremely well against old, old dominion this is not old dominion this is several steps above old dominion so we'll get a really really accurate gauge of tech's ability in pass protection protection this week um, the big thing with Purdue was just the secondary against Fresno State was a mess, um, which was a surprising thing because Ryan Walters, the head coach at uh, Purdue, now it, like came up as a as a defensive backs coach as a secondary coach, and that was the glaring weakness last week. They had they just could not stop Fresno State through the air. Um, so so the the big question for Purdue, I think, is this is like. Is this a talent thing that's going to persist throughout the year? You know, do they just not have the personnel to, to play the system right now? Um, or is it just, you know, a coaching transition thing? Um, so we'll see that they're definitely hoping for a much better day from their secondary. Uh, play a ton of man coverage, uh, most in the country. Uh, Walters Walters was at Illinois last year where you had three Three NFL draft picks in the secondary, and he played the most man coverage of the country. Um, didn't stop doing that when he got to Purdue. The the corners, their starting quarters, um, played the most man coverage in the country again last week at more than 70%. So, like, you know, three out of four plays, they're going to be in man coverage. So I'll be really interested to see, like, this is showcase game for Virginia Tech's new and improved playmakers at wide receiver. Either you're you're, you're able to get open consistently against this man coverage or you're not. And that kind of feels like it's going to decide Virginia Tech's like offensive potential in this game. Um, combine that with uh, what I expect will be more pressure on Wells. And, and we're going to kind of see a battle of like, what's more, what's, does Wells have enough time to throw and do the wide receivers have enough ability to get open? Um, based on last week, I'd say the receivers have a better chance of getting open than Wells having enough time to throw, but I think the short passing game is going to be pretty critical. That's what Fresno State did last week. So, I, you know, there's there's ways to slow down or negate the pass rush um, that I think Virginia Tech should be able to kind of execute on. Um, but, you know, we'll see we'll see how Wells performs under a little more duress than he was last week. So you mentioned Deion Burks. Is that just from what you saw in film against Fresno State, right? Because you look at his stat line from last year, you know, 149 total yards. That's a yeah, you know, Jaden Blue esque stat line. So is that all they have left? <laughs> or yeah. and yeah, and according to your article, he is the best player on the team. Yeah, I th- I'm I'm sold on him. Um, he. He did have a big role last year. I think they had some pretty good talent around him. Um, 
or or in front of him within that offense. But like he had that one play I put in the article the the clip where he's just you know slant over the middle, catches it, breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle, and accelerates and he's gone. Um, he's the fastest. They say he's the fastest player on the team. I believe him. I, I think he's a dangerous dangerous receiver and kind of somebody hitting their stride. I, I know Purdue. You read read their their articles and their analysis and all that stuff all through the off season. I think he's been a guy they've been really high on for, for a while. So I think, you know, that kind of athletic ability is difficult to difficult to defend. Um, they targeted them, I think nine times last week. So they, they, they clearly want to get into the ball pretty frequently. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens this week. I think he's a big matchup for like a Monsor Delane or, or even Dor- like one one of the tech corners obviously is going to draw that matchup, but um, should be an interesting test. I'll give you this: three things have to happen for Virginia Tech to come away with a victory. What are they? Wells has to play a clean game. Um, like I said, I think he's going to face at least a little bit probably a lot more pressure um, than he did last week. So making good decisions, holding onto the ball when he needs to, getting rid of the ball when he can, throwing it away, that those kind of things, not forcing it um, when he gets sped up. You know, I think that's going to be a big test and a big kind of evaluation uh, opportunity for, for where Wells is under more pressure. So that's the number one thing. Tech's got to win the turnover battle. Um, I, I say the receivers got to get open um, to give well somebody to throw the ball to. I really think Jalen Lane is in for a big day. Um, given what their secondary showed and where he's likely to line up and kind of the soft spots in, in Purdue's defense, I think I think Lane could be a, a big-time factor. And then I think the third thing is they, ha- they have to be significantly better against the run. Um, Purdue did not have it last week run blocking just like Virginia Tech but Maccabee is the kind of guy that can just churn out yardage and kill you and uh, I think like it if either of these teams Virginia Tech or Purdue can can produce on the ground this week better than they did last week then I think that gives them a gives them a big advantage um, so Virginia Tech cannot stop the run again um, you know I think I think that becomes a real problem I, I'm confident Virginia Tech secondary can make plenty of plays and win plenty of matchups against Purdue's wide receivers unless it's a balanced Purdue attack where they're picking up yards on the ground and through the air, and it just puts a ton of pressure on on Tech's secondary to play an absolutely perfect game. Um, so so that's, that's the other thing that has to happen. Like Tech can't let Purdue's running game, which struggled last week mightily, um, kind of get going and, and give them a, a second option to, to to mix it up and stay balanced on offense. Over under 100 yards on the ground for Maccabee? I, I think you got to give it to him. Um, I think he was pretty close last week. Almost ran for 1,000 uh, yards a year ago. And Virginia Tech's run defense has given you – I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm certainly not confident. I don't know. I don't know about you, but like after last week, um, it, it's not good when your head coach coming off the field is like, we didn't fit any of the runs um, from a 
you know, linebacker group, a new Mike linebacker. Um, you starter at the other linebacker spot. I mean, I, I just think that's a big time concern and, and something I'm not willing to uh, portray confidence in until it's, it's shown on the field. You detected a pretty good job rushing the passer last week. Uh, I mean, Hudson Card didn't take a sack against Fresno State. Do you think Virginia Tech will be able to get to him? I was really surprised when I looked at the numbers, um, how little Virginia Tech blitzed last week. PFF had him at, I think, seven blitzes, or they blitzed Wilson on seven dropbacks, which was like 18% blitz rate, which is like, Somewhere between fifteen and thirty-five percent less than they um, they they blitzed per game last year. Print Prize talked about during over the last couple of years, like he's he's traditionally like a forty percent blitz guy, and Tech was significantly below that against Old Dominion. I kind of wonder if it was just like you know we don't need a blitz against this offensive line kind of thing. Um, I kind of, I kind of wonder if it was a little bit of a coaching strategy to keep their blitz packages largely under wraps for this game. Um, I don't know, but there's, it was just a significantly fewer blitzes than what you could normally expect from a Brent Pry, Chris Marv defense. So, um, I expect them to dial it up a little more just because they, they, they won't. You cannot let Hudson Card kind of sit back there and be comfortable. Um, so so whether that's the four-man front with, with Burgos and Powell Ryland on the outside or, or sending more people, um, I expect them to blitz more whether they can get there. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I think Purdue's offensive line was – I don't. it wasn't the pass blocking that's the concern. So I think they'll be able to handle it fairly well like I don't think this is going to be a tee off on Hudson card type game but I, I do have confidence after seeing Powell Island last week that he's going to be able to get in there at least once or twice is card a top six quarterback Virginia Tech will face all year oh man now we're going to go through the quarterbacks who else we got Rutgers quarterback no Marshall's quarterback no Kovic, meh. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Travis, Travis is probably the best. <laughs> yeah, Garrett Schrader is probably better. Jury's out on that Wake Forest guy. Yeah, probably. I think he's in that in the top half of the of the guys they'll face. It'll be a uh, interesting test. You know what the interesting the interesting thing about Card is that I just realized when I was researching him is that four true road starts or four over two seasons at Texas, he had four true road games um, where he played a significant amount of snaps. Texas lost all four of them. Um, there was some tight ones in there. I think they lost that thriller against Texas tech last, last year, not his fault. Um, lost a tight one to West Virginia. Probably not as fun. I didn't look into that game, and it was it was a one score game. But the other two weren't close. Lost by lost to Arkansas by nineteen. That might have been a neutral site game, but probably mostly a road game. Um, and what's the other one? Oh, they got smoked at camp, at Iowa State. So like, there's a little bit of like he's 
decently experienced, but I'm not sure proven on the road quite yet. Is home field advantage even more so an advantage given the circumstances, new coach, a lot of new players playing a new scheme? Like, does that give you a little bit more of an edge than it otherwise would? Um, I don't know if it gives you, gives this specific instance more than it otherwise would. You know, Purdue's, Purdue's struggles were in the secondary. And if, you know, you feel like if it, if that was a communication issue where they're like lining up wrong or, or not, not hearing the play, that's not going to be an issue when, at least it shouldn't be when tech is on offense. Um, so I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably the same. You could see, you know, Purdue's the the one thing I will say is like Purdue's season is already kind of kind of on shaky footing. Like if they go zero and two to start, I think they got Syracuse next, and then Wisconsin to finish September. Um, there may be one more in between there, but like. If they don't win this game, they're going, they're staring like one and three or zero oh and four, kind of in the face, and um, tough road environment with things not going well with a new coach. Like, it get kind of dicey there from like a team chemistry, team morale perspective, where it's like, you know, they're they're they're, they're struggling to execute and figure things out, and people start point to blame and you know the pressure starts rising on them i think it's a there's a little bit of i was listening to the cover three guys today i think it was chip ashton there's like a little bit of must win like motivation here for purdue which could be good it could be could backfire a little bit i want your pick doug who's taking this home i i have purdue winning it um i think this is going to be a game I think this is going to be a game that um, it gets a little bit shootouty. Um, you know, I don't think I think I don't think either team can have confidence in the run games after last week that much. Um, so I, I think that puts it mostly on the arms of the quarterback, and I, I just don't know that I'm not sold on Grant Wells being able to win a back and forth offensive battle i'm not sold on two things grant wells going you know shot for shot with Hudson card um over four quarters and you know coming up with those big time throws later in the game like i I don't know that virginia tech's passing attack is there yet it may get there this season but i don't know if they're there yet to hold up and execute at that level in those moments um i think they'll score score uh, score points but maybe not enough to win. I think the other aspect of that is your confidence in the offensive coordinator in a game like that. Graham Harrell is an air raid quarterback who has plenty of experience in games like that and designs his offense for games like that versus Tyler Bowen. I, I don't know that that's a matchup I like either if it gets into like just back and forth offensive battle. So I've got... I've got Tech hanging around, but losing. I think I picked thirty six twenty seven. So like, points, 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 
but like kind of a late a late fade probably because tech comes up empty with like a possession or two um where they're just trying to trying to match what purdue is doing i'm probably going to have to agree with you i don't have enough faith in virginia tech's ability to stop the run i don't have enough faith in virginia tech's ability to run the ball to definitively say they're going to go out and win this football game i tend to lean on the better quarterback in a game that i think is a toss-up and it's a great opportunity for uh, grant wells to prove me wrong so i'll say purdue wins i'll say it's close like you said i'd say it's high scoring um but i'm open to being wrong on this one right <laughs> Number one, obviously, I have my own self-interest in play. Uh, but number two, you, know, you can only take so much away from the Old Dominion game. And yeah. you know, there were times that Virginia Tech's offense looked very good. There were times that it left a little bit to be desired. And you could say the same thing about the defense in multiple facets. That being said, like, you know, Purdue had a, a big return. I think they had a return for a touchdown and a huge return for a short drive. Yep. So they weren't necessarily capitalizing on every opportunity that they had last week against the Fresno State team that I would say is probably better than Tech. <laughs> Fresno State would be favored in a game against Tech. I agree. But, you know, they're not world beaters. So, um, I think you know, if you watch that Fresno State game, they had a receiver – my brain's telling me his name is Brooks, but I'm not sure if that's right. But he was putting off the Jalen Lane vibes for me, which is kind of why I like that matchup. Um, but yeah, Fresno State, I think they won 10 games last year. Jeff Tedford has been a co good coach for a long time. Like, that's nothing. I don't think losing to Fresno State was a debacle by any stretch. Um, and I think I think the interest or the maybe it's a concern for Virginia Tech heading into this game. Like the big opportunity for Virginia Tech's offense is because Purdue's secondary was atrocious last week. And their head coach happens to be one of probably one of the best secondary coaches in the, in the, in the business right now. Like there's, a, there's the question of what, what, did he forget to coach how to coach secondary? Is there, you know, it's like, when is, if if you assume that, you assume they're going to be better in the secondary at some point soon. When is it? Is it does it take one week for them to adjust and catch up, or is it like three or four or five? I did look his first year at Illinois. They struggled for the first four or five games. Um, they were giving up 300, 400 yards passing in those games, and then it clicked, and they went from they went from average giving up 300, 400 yards passing to like 150 to 200. So, like, I, I tend to lean towards the click happening at some point soon for Purdue. I just don't know if it's if it's this week on the road at Virginia Tech. So that's why, I'm, you know, you kind of hedge a little bit. Say Virginia Tech's going to be able to put points on the board, but there, I mean, there's a potential like Tech Tech comes out and Purdue has a legit 11 man defense that is pretty darn good. All right, Doug. Last question here. Colorado, a three-point favorite, posting Nebraska. They're calling this one a toss-up. Deion Sanders obviously shows out in week one. And the Huskers put an end <laughs> to the fairy tale story. Talk about a two vastly different 
week one games for those programs. Nebraska just continues riding the train to Heartbreak City, uh, which I think is located in Lincoln at this point. Um, and, and Colorado is just coming off an enormous high to come home to play. You know, Nebraska hasn't been good in four or five years. Um, like, I think it's a, I think it's a kind of a buzzsaw game for for Nebraska. Um, I don't know that that envi- that feels like a tilted field from the very start. And I think you look at what um, Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter and those guys did. Like, they should be able to do that again against this Nebraska team. So, I'm buying Colorado this week. I'm I'm still not sure I'm buying them in the Pac-12 over the course of the season. You look at Colorado's schedule, and it's actually interesting here, right? You got this game against Nebraska, winnable football game. Then the following week, in-state rivalry game, Colorado State, emotions will be high. At Oregon, hosting USC. (laughs) Five games in the month of September. So you lose this game. And you very well could end up two and three through the month of September. And that's going to you know, throw some cold water on the hype there. Now, there's winnable games in the month of October with Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA. Get in November, it becomes a little challenge again. Oregon State on the road at Utah. But you know, you're 3-0 and going into that Oregon game. You're 3-0 and going into that USC game. And, you know, deserve it. Or not, there's going to be a lot of hype. And they have the man on the sideline to uh, capitalize on said hype. With that being said, we'll see how TCU does the rest of the way. Nebraska, on the other hand, I don't know. They got some winnable games. They play in the Big Ten West. They got a crossover game with Michigan State this year that should be a winnable game. They have a crossover game with Northwestern. Nebraska's actually primed schedule wise as far as year one new coach big 10 to return yeah. to the bowl spectrum for the first time and i think since 2016 am i correct in that sounds right i mean they were close last week to beat minnesota who's supposed to be you know decent so like they're probably right there i mean i just don't expect them to be fair yeah. doug Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I think Nebraska. And if you look at 2021 Nebraska, (laughs) you know, they never lost a game by more than like nine points. I can't imagine. They just happened to lose nine games by less than nine points. I I can't imagine being that fan base right now. Like, you know, it gets really bad when you're probably debating how to, like, the, the, like, mental philosophy of like how how do you win close games like when you go from like you know how do we improve the run defense to how do we improve the rushing offense to you know tech needs better receivers to like we i'm sure they're way down the rabbit hole of like mental state about (laughs) close games at this point yeah it's like how do you develop the killer instinct yep Hard to answer question right there. And but, the, uh, they've been doing it for three, what, two more than two years now. Ugh. 
Indeed. Way more than two years. Uh, last thing I have to say, Duke football. Duke football. Come Man, on. We, we were on here. What, was it last week we kind of dumped on Duke a little bit? And we're t- I, about- I think we just doubted Duke. Yeah. And it, everyone knows that it comes down to DDD. Don't doubt Duke. <laughs> and <laughs> Vegas gave the one of the great rat lines of all time. Clemson minus 12. I think 90 some odd percent of the money was on Clemson. And uh, yeah, in Vegas, they know. I mean, that was a wild, like, I don't know if it says more about the Duke or more about Clemson, but like Duke's athletes were on par with Clemson throughout that game. Like just were beating them one-on-one, like every, all over the field. It was, it was like, I pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, honestly, when it came to Duke's roster, right. Which you, it, it, it is impressive, right? Because Mike Alco took over a team that was in worse shape, had them in a bowl game in year one, <laughs> beat Clemson week one, year two. You watch the game, right? And it, you know, when you're watching like Florida State versus LSU, and you're like, this is a different level, of a different level of football. I wouldn't say I was thinking that about Duke. But I was certainly thinking as I watched like their their defensive line play and some of their athletes. Yeah, good thing we're uh dodging them this year. I that's Riley Leonard. Like I think he had a little bit of a re- reputation for like game man- game manager type stuff. Like didn't make mistakes last year, not an explosive passing game, so he wasn't you know throwing the ball all over the yard, but that dude is legit. That that touchdown run was – he left Clemson's – I mean, I'm sure all those guys are four stars or five stars on that Clemson defense. He just left them in the dust. It's like, that guy's not a game manager. He's a he's a legitimate playmaking quarterback. I 100% agree. All right, Doug. Any last words? No, I just want to shout out uh, my long-lost relative, Bob Bowman who is going into the Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame. Uncle Bob. This, this weekend, old old distant Uncle Bob, apparently 12-time letter winner at Virginia Tech. That's pretty good. Um, also going to the Hall of Famer, guys like Kyle Fuller and David Wilson and Malcolm Delaney. But Bob is the story. Um, I'll be there, and I will be the guy losing my mind about Bob Bowman going in for the Bowman, the Bowman family. For those of you in the research triangle, despite the height coming off that win, seats in section seven, like on the sideline at Wallace Wade, a low, low cost of $11 on Saturday as Duke takes on the Lafayette Leopards. So if you're not going to make it down to Blacksburg, check that out. If you are going to Blacksburg and you're just trying to get out real quick and make it a doubleheader, you still probably catch it. So again, the low, low cost of $11. VT Scoop, 24-7 Sports, Andrew, Alex, Doug Bowman, Evan Watkins was with us. Matei, you should send him your get well soon cards. But we'll be back next week. Recap in Purdue, looking ahead to the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. So hit that subscribe button. Throw us a, uh, a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. We'll be back soon. As always, my friends, go Hokies.
the hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.